Bible Believers, and welcome to another episode of Believing Bigger, the podcast that equips entrepreneurs and influencers with the tools, the confidence, and most importantly, the faith to believe bigger in their dreams. I'm Dr. Shantae, and do you know what time it is? It is that time to apply to DYOB, the Design Your Own Brand Makeover Experience, and I am super excited about 2017 because we are taking this party to Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and it is going to be phenomenal. Get all of the details at dyob2017.com. Make sure you apply by the priority deadline of March 8th. You don't want to miss it. You can see all of the commercials and all of the testimonials all over my social media at Dr. Shante Says. So this episode and next week's episode are going to be life-changing and extremely transparent, hopefully for you that are listening. And this is a conversation that I've been having with several people about therapy and self-care. And in African-American communities, therapy is still very stigmatized. Uh, Sometimes people don't want to share their problems with a third party or they don't want to be judged. And Unfortunately, in so many churches still, the answer is, well, just pray it away. Just pray it away. And actually, the Bible has a number of scriptures that advise leaders, especially to seek counsel, to seek wise counsel. He says in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And I wanted to share this with you because I know that I have tremendous respect from my followers and from my audience. And sometimes you look at leaders and people of influence and you think that they have it all together because that's the brand, you know, and we don't show those sides of us that represent struggle or that represent hardship or we make it seem like we've always had it together and things have always been running in tip top shape. And that's just not the truth. And even though we shouldn't, sometimes we find ourselves comparing ourselves to those people of influence and we start to question what's wrong with us and how come our lives haven't happened like that and how come we don't have those types of opportunities. So I wanted to do this episode one in hopes because I truly, truly believe that somebody needs to hear what I'm about to share in this episode. Uh, Episode one is going to be telling you six reasons why I go to therapy and kind of telling you about the journey about how I got there. And episode two, so part two of this two part why I go to therapy series is talking with a licensed psychologist about some ways that you can cope with some of the things that you're dealing with in some meaningful and affordable ways to access help and support and therapy. So our guiding scripture for this episode is John 10, 10, and it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So just to give you a little bit of background, I came across on Audible, a book called Childhood Disrupted by Donna Jackson Nakazawa. So if you visit the website, believingbigger.com, you will see the book and a link for where you can pick it up. But Childhood Disrupted by Donna Jackson Nakazawa 
and it says how your biography becomes your biology and how you can heal. And so the title and the premise of the book kind of stopped me in my tracks because the premise of the book links childhood trauma to the onset of adult illness. And so many people, so many of us are walking around with disease or with anxiety or with things that debilitate us. And we don't quite understand why or we can't connect the dots as to, you know, why this is happening to us. And a lot of that has to do with things that happened to us in childhood. And you all don't know this, but my childhood was very traumatic. It was very traumatic. You're going to find out how traumatic very shortly. And because of the trauma of my childhood, it has impacted my relationships. It's impacted my worldview, impacted the way that I choose to deal with problems. And even though I have done work and I've done quite a bit of self-work, I can't stress enough the importance of self-work. Despite the work I've done, there's still quite a bit of work to do. It's a process. And so this book begins with a survey called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Survey. And it's a list of 10 questions that ask about various traumas that children experience. And so since it's only 10 questions, I'm going to read them for you so that, you know, you can take it here. So these are the exact questions that are on the survey. And so as I read them, they're just yes or no questions. Give yourself a one for yes, zero for no, and it's just that simple. So the first question on the Adverse Childhood Experience Survey, or ACEs for short, is did a parent or other adult in the household often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? Yes or no? So for me, right off the bat, that was a yes, because I grew up in a household where domestic violence was an issue. At one time, I had a very angry, very mean spirited stepfather, and he was incredibly abusive to my mother and he was incredibly insulting and he always put her down and there was always fighting in the household. And so you never knew what he was going to do next. He was very unpredictable. So kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, one day he was one thing and then the next day he was something completely different. And so for me, that was a yes. Number two, did a parent or other adult in the household often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? And so this is a yes for me. And I know that this is something that is really controversial in the black community because, you know, many of us, we believe in whoopings, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. But there is a difference between discipline and abuse. There is a fine line between discipline and abuse. And so I remember one time my mom frustrated with the abuse that she was receiving and frustrated with not being able to take out her frustrations with my stepfather. Uh, One day she was going off on me and grab a gym shoe and beat me in the face with it. And so those types of things, that's not discipline. That is abuse. And when you are beaten to the point where your lip is bleeding or your nose is bleeding and your face is busted, that's not discipline. That is abuse. So for me, that was a yes. Number three, did an adult person or person at least five years older than you touch or fondle you or have you touch their body in a sexual way or try to have oral, anal or vaginal sex with you? Yes or no? 
again, sadly for me, this was a yes. Uh, from the age of five, roughly to the age of 13, I encountered multiple accounts of sexual abuse. And I know that that is a very dark place for many people. And I know that some of you listening have experienced that. And that's one of those things that, again, that just doesn't get talked about. It doesn't get dealt with. Or if it does get dealt with, it doesn't get dealt with in a way that makes us feel supported and cared for and loved. And so the experience of that being touched in that way as a young child, how that manifested itself in adulthood for me is that when I became a mother, there were moments where I was uncomfortable with my child showing me affection. So if she wanted to give me a hug or if she wanted to give me a kiss, I would stiffen up because in the world that I grew up in, that was inappropriate that children and adults should not touch. And of course, there are ways to love your child and engage in ways that are healthy and that stimulate a bond between parent and child. And unfortunately, because of my upbringing, I had a hard time when I became a mother to accept love and affection. And if I had not worked through those issues, then my daughter would be growing up wondering how come I'm distant or how come I'm cold or how come I never can hug her or we can't laugh and play and those types of things. And so for me, that was a yes. Number four, did you often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Or did you come from a family where your family did not look out for each other, feel close to each other or support each other? Yes or no. Fortunately, despite the things that I was going through, I did have an extremely loving family, very loving aunts and uncles and grandmother and during the time where I was going through a lot of this trauma, we were living away from that family. We were isolated because that's one of the things that abusers do is that they isolate you from your support system. They isolate you from your community. And so that was a no for me. Number five, did you often feel that you didn't have enough to eat or had to wear dirty clothes and had no one to protect you or that your parents or caregivers were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it yes or no for me this was a no um, no matter what was going on I was still cared for in terms of having the basic necessities of life number six were your parents ever separated or divorced yes or no and so for me this was a yes because many of you know that my father chose to be absent from my life and so because he chose to be absent from my life and because I never was able to form that bond and that connection uh, with him that made me extremely distrustful of men and it made me devalue who I was because I felt like if he did not want me if your own father doesn't want you then who possibly could want you so in my teenage years it sent me looking for love in all the wrong places trying to replace his affections that one for me was a yes and that is a childhood trauma separation and divorce even though it's very commonplace for a child that can still be very traumatic number seven was your mother or stepmother often pushed grabbed slapped or had something thrown at her or sometimes or often kicked bitten hit with a fist or hit with something hard yes or no and for me this was a yes um, I cannot 
tell you the horror of being on the side of a door where your mother is screaming bloody murder, literally pleading for her life. And there is nothing that you can do about it because you are not near a phone. You're in a place where you don't know anybody. You don't know your neighbors. You can't call for help. And all you can do literally is just sit there and just freeze you're frozen panicked and then the next day to try to go to school like none of that just happened is an extremely traumatic experience number eight did you ever live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or used street drugs yes or no so for me this was a no Number nine, was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member attempt suicide? Yes or no? Well, for me, this was a yes, quite obviously, because my mom was going through such an ordeal with um, my stepfather at the time. She was consistently depressed and when you are depressed then you are withdrawn and you isolate and so there were moments where she was so wrapped up in trying to deal with and cope with what was going on with her that she really didn't have time to kind of deal with me so to speak sometimes when you're a child like 8 9 10 11 adults can often overestimate what you are capable of handling and obviously when you're in that situation you grow up rather quickly that was a yes for me and then number 10 did a household member go to prison yes or no and so my answer to that one was no and so when I added those up I had six a score of six out of ten and The premise of the book says that if you have two or more traumas, then you are at high risk for the manifestation of a number of debilitating illnesses, anything from MS to fibromyalgia to colitis and gastrointestinal issues. Thankfully, by the time I had found this book, I had already experienced the benefits of therapy, was and am a big believer in going to counseling and therapy. But there are six reasons that I want to share with you about why I go and why I encourage you to go not necessarily because your childhood was traumatic because some of you had fantastic childhoods but just because you have a fantastic childhood doesn't mean that you don't have some issues that need to be resolved it may not be from any of those things in the ACEs survey but it might be through some things that you have experienced in adulthood that you weren't prepared for and you're trying to figure out how to cope with it it might be because you're harboring bitterness or resentment or you need to forgive someone or you are feeling anxious because you're trying to juggle all of these balls in the air and you're trying to make it seem like you've got it all together when everything is really falling apart and you don't know how to handle it. There's a number of reasons to go to therapy, not necessarily because you had a traumatic childhood, but I wanted to share those things with you for a few reasons. Number one, if you know the story of Jesus, you'll note that From the time that Jesus was born, the enemy was after him. The enemy sought to destroy him as a baby. Herod the king was a murderer. He put a hit out on Jesus as he was a baby. And this is a textbook 
play out of the enemy's handbook because childhood is a great place to try to destroy people who have a destiny, who have a purpose, who have a promise, who have a platform, who will one day stand and be a soldier in the army of the Lord. If you can cut them down in their childhood, if you can make them so debilitated, so weakened, so bitter, so angry, so resentful in the younger years, then it's easier for those things to take root. Because, you know, when you're young, you're still impressionable and you're malleable. But when you become an adult, there are things, if you look at your younger self, there are things that you would not tolerate. There are things that you wouldn't stand for, things that you stood for or would accept when you were in your younger years that you absolutely would not tolerate now that you're an adult and now that you have a relationship with God. And so I wanted to share these six reasons for going to therapy if you are on the fence, if you still feel some kind of way about it. Here is my appeal to you for why you should go. Number one, we are not built to withstand everything that the enemy uses to try to destroy us. Remember, Satan's only job, his only job is to create destruction in your life. That is his purpose. That is his goal. Jesus, on the other hand, said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so if Satan is the opposite, then that means that his job is to destroy and rob you of every opportunity to have an abundant life. And so you have to ask yourself, am I living abundantly? Am I living abundantly? And I'm not talking about wealth. I'm talking about abundance and health, abundance in love, abundance in self-worth and value, abundance in your hope and your dreams for your future. Are you living an abundant life? And if you are not, I submit to you to go and find some support. And this is one of the reasons that I go to therapy, because I know that I am not capable of dealing with these things on my own. God did not create us to be superheroes. In fact, the Bible says that my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay not to have it all together. Second Corinthians 12, nine, when Paul had some issues and he kept asking God, please just take it away, just take it away, just take it away. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, I got this. He says, I'm not going to take it away. You can live with it, but in your weakness, I can be strong. So you don't have to carry this by yourself. You are not built to carry it by yourself. God doesn't want you to carry it by yourself. And so if you've been hemming and hawing about going and talking to somebody about some of the things that you're dealing with, I strongly encourage you to go. And that actually was my second reason, because God's strength is made perfect in weakness. God wants us to rely and depend on him. He wants an opportunity to flex. So let him. Number three, emotional wounds manifest physical symptoms. A lot of times we attribute things like disease to old age or our bodies are changing or that's just a fact of life when the fact of the matter is is that sometimes in many cases disease is a manifestation of wounds that have not healed emotionally things that you're still struggling to overcome things that you're still struggling to forgive things that you're still struggling to resolve so disease overconsumption of things like food and drugs and alcohol anxiety and panic attacks if any of you saw the most recent episode of this is us well actually by the time this episode airs it will be a new episode but I believe this was last week's episode where one of the main characters Randall had a debilitating panic attack and 
a debilitating bout with anxiety. That is real. That is real. And there's some emotional wounds there for him that have not healed. And so sometimes we just kind of suck it up and we soldier on and we keep it moving. But you know what? Listen to your body. Your body is trying to tell you something. The reason why you keep reaching for donuts or for beer or for wine in excess, okay, not moderation, in excess, there's an underlying root cause for that. Some people would argue that the addictive nature of sugar and salt and fat, it creates chemical reactions in our minds. And so it makes us feel like we want more when actually we don't. And so there might be a chemical explanation for that, but sometimes it's deeper than that. Emotional wounds do manifest physical symptoms. And that's yet another reason to seek therapy and support. Number four, you can be the toxin in your relationship. And so if you think about your relationships, if you look and there's a pattern of destructive relationships, a pattern of unhealthy relationships, where you keep attracting the same kind of drama into your life, then I strongly encourage you to examine the patterns, examine your role in those relationships. Uh, One of the quotes from the book, and I thought that this was very powerful. uh, One of the gentlemen was dealing with anxiety because his father was very abusive and always put him down and and never really had anything encouraging to say and was always nitpicking and and complaining and he said this he said I am so damaged and uncomfortable in my own skin that I don't know how to be with someone who is comfortable in their own skin so to get away from that discomfort I cut myself off from the thing that I want most love I sabotage the relationship some of you might be guilty of this some of you might be sabotaging relationships with cheating and lying and promiscuity and so anytime we do things where we are acting out of integrity we can't ignore that we can't sweep that under the rug we can't just say oh well that's a part of life or I could be doing worse things no that's something that has to be dealt with because if you don't deal with it it is absolutely going to deal with you and then you have to think about what kind of relationship do you want with people and so the people that love you or the people that you want to love that is a two-way street and if you are in a dynamic where you haven't learned how to love or how to love in a healthy way or how to address conflict in a healthy way it can be completely destructive in your relationships. And so this is another reason why I go to therapy because I want healthy relationships. And I've noticed a change, a shift that as I've continued to do the self work, again, the self work, because that's all I can work on. I can't change other people. You can't change other people. I can only change myself. I can only work on myself and I can only choose my response. I've noticed that as I have done the self work, I have attracted a different calendar caliber of person into my life because like attracts like. And so when you become a healthier person, you attract healthier people into your life, whether that is friendships, whether that's family, whether that is loving relationships, but it is worth the trip to go so that you are not the toxin in your relationship. And number six, find serenity in surrender. You know, there is such a peace when you don't have to do the heavy lifting. There is such a peace when you are overwhelmed and you can't handle it and you know you can't handle it, that there is someone there that will just 
take that off your plate that will just lighten the load. And Jesus is the person that lightens the load. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Sometimes we convince ourselves, and especially again in the black community, that we have to hold up the bloodstained banner and that we just have to hold it up and we just have to keep it moving. And, you know, we do have a heritage of that. We have a legacy of that because women, slaves, they would give birth and be right back out in the fields the next day. They didn't have benefits. (laughs) You know, they didn't have leave. Their bodies had just experienced tremendous trauma. And yet they were back out there within 48 to 72 hours, right back in the heat of the day, slaving and picking and working and toiling. And sometimes we act just like that. We've just gone through something, something major, something serious. And we just try to get back out there and act like that didn't happen or that it didn't affect us as deeply as it really did. And it's just not healthy. There is a serenity. There is a peace in surrendering that to God. Psalms 55, 22 says this, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And so God is literally pleading with us, give this to me. Okay. And giving it to God doesn't exempt you from going to a therapist. There are many, one you'll be hearing from next week, but many God fearing therapists and counselors who can help you gain some perspective that can help you build the tools and the strategies for how to deal and how to cope. And so next week, that is where our episode is headed. So this is the end of part one. But ultimately, I want you guys to live more abundantly. When you are a leader, when you are a person of influence, that means that you have high visibility. That means that you have more eyes on you. And the more eyes you have on you, the more pressure that you have to succeed and to perform form. And that can be debilitating in and of itself. But furthermore, when you have a calling on your life, the enemy comes but to steal, kill and destroy, to destroy your credibility, to cast you out as someone who is a fake and a phony and a fraud and someone who can't be trusted. And if the enemy gets you in that position, then that means that everybody that was looking up to you, everyone that you, all of the sheep that you were feeding, your flock, as it were, that compromises their safety. And so people that are looking to you to lead the way, you have a huge target on your back, especially if you are living a purpose-driven life. You are one of the enemy's favorite targets because if he can destroy you, he gets so much bang for the buck because it's not just taking down one person, but it also impacts so many other people. And so I want you guys to take this to heart. I shared this with you, not because I want a pity party or because I want you to feel sorry for me or, oh, Dr. Shantae, because God is good. I, when I tell you, I don't look like what I've been through. I mean that I have overcome tremendous adversity. I have overcome things that would make other people crazy. Okay, and strung out. And I just thank God. I thank God that he placed people in my life so that I didn't end up that way. And so next week, one of my favorite therapists is coming on the show to talk about coping strategies for reclaiming our peace and looking at some ways to seek therapy, some affordable ways, because one of the things that people say is that, oh, it's too expensive. There's more than one way to get therapy. And I encourage you guys to go and seek help and support if you need it, because you know what? Facebook ain't therapy. Okay. That I am so tired of people laying all of their dirty laundry out for Facebook. Facebook is not the place um, to seek help and resolution. Take that to someone who has some 
professional experience and can help you navigate that terrain one on one. So that's our episode. That is part one of why I go to therapy. We'll finish this up next week. And I've been getting questions. Is pod class coming back? Is pod class coming back? Yes pod class is coming back yes there will be some episodes very soon where pod class will be back in the mix I know that you guys love it I know that you guys miss it and I thank you for being with me during this season up until this point because we haven't had it but yes it is coming back and don't forget to apply to DYOB 2017 head over to DYOB2017.com head to my social media at Dr. Shantae says for any takeaways any aha moments and I will catch up with you guys next week 